Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to be talking to Val Echevarria. Val is an artist, weaver, and graphic designer in Pasadena, California. She creates a stunning range of woven art pieces and also makes zipper pouches, tote bags, and other pieces from hand-woven and hand-dyed materials. Plus, listen through to the end to hear about a new product Val developed for weavers that she launched just last week. Hi, Val. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hi, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Can you start off by introducing yourself and talking about how you found your way to being an artist and a weaver? Sure. Um, let's see. I actually, growing up, thought I was going to be a, a, a writer, <laughs> but, you know, I'll, ne- plans never turn out that way. Uh, but I always did art, and then um, when I got older, I just kept doing art, and I, <clears throat> I used to make, um, like, wearable jewelry, and art, like, art, art jewelry, and a friend of mine was in a gallery. She was a ceramic artist, and she uh, took... Uh, took me there and, and um, the owner asked if uh, I was making some magnets and jewelry at the time she, she was selling it. And then she asked me if I had any larger pieces. And I said, well, yes, I do. And um, so I got my first solo show like that. I mean, it just, wow. hap- it just happened. And, um, and then she sold a piece. And it was interesting, you know, that game, Six Degrees of Separation. So the piece she sold is my six degrees. Actually, it's three degrees of separation to um, JFK because um, she sold it to a doctor and that doctor was um, Judith Exter's um, oncologist and uh, Judith Exter was JFK's mistress. So <laughs> there you go. Wow. A little, a little weird trivia that happened. Um, so then from there, I, um, you know, I started showing my work, um, you know, around, you know, group shows and then uh, different galleries in LA. Um, and I and I also at the same time was, um, I became a graphic designer because I didn't want to uh, work in an office anymore. I mean, mm. I still had to work in a studio, but I, and then at a certain point, once I'd been in different studios, I decided to go on my own. And I specialize in nonprofit organizations. So it's great because, you know, you feel like you're helping and, and all my clients get a little bit of free work. But at the same time, um, you don't make the same amount of money as you'd make working for commercial clients. But I think that the people are nicer <laughs> because nobody's just it's not just about making money. You know, I've never been a person that's been about just making money. So anyway, I um, a few years ago, I was working on some. Piece. I like to, I'm a mixed media artist, so let me clarify that. So I work in a lot of different mediums. Um, I used to do a lot of assemblage and collage, and, um, and then I did acrylic paintings and these sort of mixed media boxes uh, with paintings in the background. And then I started doing, um, working on um, some jazz paintings. I started working in oils. Uh, but before I got to the oils, I was working on some pieces um, and I was sewing on paper and then I thought, oh, I'm going to do like a little weaving on the paper with, you know, just uh, a needle and some yarn. And then I thought, hmm, I kind of like this. I'm going to do a little uh, 
make myself a little loom. So I just got some nails and a piece of wood and I did that and I like that. So I said, I think I'm going to buy myself a little loom. Well, that was it. <laughs> now here I am two floor, two floor looms later, about eight rigid heddle looms and probably 20 plus other types of looms from, you know, uh, frame looms to um, tape looms. Uh, you know, it's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I think that journey down the rabbit hole is one many of us can identify with. Uh -huh. Did you did you teach yourself to weave like all the way up through those different kinds of looms, or did you have a teacher? How did you? Learn? Um, I for the most part I did through YouTube and uh, whatnot. I did take one. Uh, I took a rigid a rigid uh, hill loom class, um, and that sort of was my jumping off point to getting a floor loom. Uh, and I took that one class at a community. I think it was 10 weeks. I think I only made seven weeks because of my work. And um, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a really good um, self learner, like almost like my whole, I didn't go to art school. My degree's in English lit. So I've always been um, autodidactic. And so it just, and I'm, and I've always, I taught myself how to crochet. I mean, since I was a little girl, I always taught myself how to do stuff. So it was just kind of a, 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 a you know, a natural fit. I just took to it. And, um, and I love, you know, I love fiber. I love textiles. So I sew, so it was just perfect. And, um, and then just, and then recently I started, um, incorporating the weaving into my fine art. And that's, you know, that whole, the whole thing about the art thing is a little bit I've always kept two studios, a graphic design studio and an art studio, because I don't like to mix them. I don't like a nightmare to me is if someone would call me and say, oh, can you, you know, draw or, you know, paint us a, a graphic for that shows financial growth or something like that would be a nightmare for me. So when I needed artists for my graphic design work, I always contracted um, other people to do it. I didn't really want to hmm. mix it. Hmm. But as a graphic designer, my, it, that definitely influenced my artwork. Like a lot of my artwork had text um, and some of my artwork is really clean and precise because, you know, in graphic design, that's how the work is. But I've since loosened up a bit. So, and it's hard to do that when you're used to being really <laughs> precise. Uh, but because I like to make th things and then that also brings in the whole element of functional art. So... I think that, that it's a, for me, it's a, I know a lot of people, you know, kind of have discussions about this, about what is fine art, what is craft. And I definitely feel that there's some things I do that are craft. I make purses, I make, you know, uh, things for the home, you know, uh, with my weaving. It, and now, and my art definitely influences those things, but I don't consider them like my wall hangings that are kind of decor. I don't really consider them um, art in the same way I consider my paintings or my um, weaving that is art if that makes sense yeah it does I have I have lots of questions about that so when you when you sit down to make a piece do you have sort of different modes in which you're feeling like you're in more of a craft mode or more of a fine art mood as you get started are there different ways of of conceiving your work when you're in those different modes I'm so curious um, I definitely like um like, like right now, I'm definitely, there's two modes. I, I go in, you know, it's like two, two different uh, drive modes. So I've been making a lot of stuff to stock up my Etsy shop. Um, and all of that, I really sit down and I'm like, I'm making stuff that I'm going to sell. 
when I do artwork, like I'm, so I have a show in September and um, I'm definitely, that's a different process. It's a very, it's a much looser process. I don't think about selling. It's not about selling for me. My artwork is not, I mean, I, I love to sell, but it's not, uh, that's not the end, end game. The, 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 the thing is it's about making the art and it's usually much more personal and emotional and it doesn't mean that I don't bring in those some of those other skills, but it's just it's just different. And there's no and it's not as you know when you're making a craft, I'm making a, a you know a pillow or I'm making a wall hanging or something that's definitely I feel is decor. Um, it, it has a more specific um, outline to it or um, idea about it where when I'm doing the art, it's much freer, it's much, uh, you know, and sometimes I don't know where it's going. Do you find yourself using similar kinds of materials for both of those different kinds of work? Or do you, are you drawn to different materials for the different work? Um, I do use a lot of the same materials. Like I, I love chudo yarn. Mm -hmm. So I do, um, I do, you know, I make bags and pillows with chudo yarn, but I also have been just recently trying to translate some of my jazz paintings to uh, a, a, you know, a wall piece and I'm, mm. that I'm weaving on my floor loom. And, um, and that's also done in chudo yarn because I love, love you know, I just, just the texture of it, the, the way that it weaves and it's sturdy. So I'm, I'm using a lot of that right now because I'm doing pieces um, for uh, the show. What and is I just, the show that you're working on? So it's a, it's a two-woman show. Um, I was just in a group show um, in April, and it was the first time I really showed my weaving as art. So I was a little nervous because every time you change your work, people that collect your work or buy your work, they always want the old work. So I didn't know how you know, it was going to be received because I, when I used to do, do much more literal artwork and I switched to doing abstract, there was definitely, some people weren't so happy about it. Some people really loved it. I have to say sales went down because people can't relate to abstract work as much as they can relate to, you know, literal work. So, um, I was nervous about showing the, um, the weaving as art because you know again then you get into that whole thing about you know women's crafts is it really art you know it's that's a whole other it thing sure that's is. yeah it's a whole annoying thing to me but um yeah. you know uh anyway so it actually went really well it was uh, people really liked it I sold work um I so I um and this is the direction I'm going in and the and so then I Another gallery asked if I wanted to do a show. I had shown there about 12 years ago um, paint, my paintings with another artist who was also in the show a couple of months ago. And we were both painting at that time. We were out of touch for a while. We got back in touch and we we're both now working in textiles. So it's hmm. she's doing embroidery. It's just a weird little coincidence. So uh, now we're both. So we're going to do a two woman show and she'll be showing embroidery and I'll be showing um, weaving and some weaving and embroidery mixed uh and so it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. It sounds fun. 
In your artist statement, you talk about being fascinated with perception. And I'm curious if you could talk more about that and how you work those themes into your weaving and into your paintings. Oh, the, okay. So the perception work, that's a little bit, that's the sort of the older work. My mm. new work now is, a, is, is called um, The Road Taken. So it's, it's, that's much more autobiographical. But the perception work is, um, that was sort of a, a, a second part of the work that I did when I was doing um, sort of literal work. Like the show I did with other, other artists was, was a lot about words and text and how people um, use words and and um, interpret words. So perception is now about how people see things. So the way that the brain works is that you see something and you're, you process it with what is already in your database. So if you see something that you've never seen before and you don't know what it is, your brain's going to process it to be whatever the closest thing that, you know, you have data for. So, because people process um, and, and you, pro you process it with your eyes and, and uh, you know, um, basically you're sort of, uh, you're, um, oh, how can I sit, see? It's like, it's like putting in raw material into a, all these things into a computer and then your brain processes it and then puts out what it thinks it is. So it's biased by whatever you're, you have in your brain. So, mm -hmm. with, so that means that um, because you, you're doing it, that the, the things are based on your um, previous knowledge, there's a margin for error. And a good example of that is I did a piece years ago, and it was a pastel piece. It was a really pretty, it looked very, I don't know, organic, florally thing. So you think you're looking at something really beautiful because it was, you know, it was pretty, it was beautiful. But it, what it actually was, was uh, an excerpt of an HIV cell. So, mm. you know, you're perceiving what you're looking at. It looks like something organic and beautiful, but what it really is is something that's not so beautiful. And so uh, I just was fascinated by that. And I bought a microscope. And then so I bought a microscope and I would look at all these things underneath it and I would sort of abstract from what I saw and I would paint these abstract paintings and people would like them. And then I'd tell them what it was. Oh, this is a, you know, uh, a microscopic, my, my, you know, a uh, version of an um, of a magnified piece of onion skin or pumpkin or, and they're really beautiful, but they're not what you think they are. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So, um, and then that translates in a lot, you know, when you think about it, it's like with the old saying, you know, don't judge a book by its cover because you don't know. And so it, it there's so, perception is such a, a, a powerful thing and can be misused. You know, you, I think we do it all the time. We think certain things about the way a per person looks or um, what you think that, that you see them doing and it's wrong. So I just find that fascinating. I'm really intrigued by your piece called Charting the Decline of Decency, which is made from hemp and rust. Ah. And I, I'm wondering if you can describe that piece and where your heart was as you were making it. Well, um, and actually, just a, a little side note, um, the gallery just contacted me. That piece sold. So, yay. Exciting. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, as you can imagine, with what's going on in our country right now, I am doing uh, a lot more political work. Not hmm. what was really my plan, but, you know, I've been so upset about things that it, it comes out in the work. It's just inevitable. So I've just seen this decline in what I consider decency. 
and I ha I I wanted to um, do a piece about it. I you know it'd been in, it was in my brain, and I wanted to figure out um, how to illustrate that. Um, but I didn't really have. I mean, I didn't really have a, a plan. I started so I started weaving with hemp. I love hemp. I like I re like really kind of natural sort of rough yarns, and I had this little loom. Um, there's a guy that I follow on Instagram that makes these looms. I can't think of what his name is at the moment. So anyway, I had this little loom, and I was sitting in front of the TV watching really bad news, and I started weaving with hemp. And then I little by little the idea started to form, and so I made um, because the loom was small, I had to make, I think, four or five panels that I then crocheted together. And then I crocheted the strips that were coming off of it. Um, and I did it in, so, so hemp to me was sort of the natural way of things, just mm. kind of basic. And then the red signified all the things going wrong. And as you see, as you go lower and lower and lower to the bottom, things are just falling apart. And that's kind of how I, f I felt that I saw a decency going in this country. And I was disturbed by it. And so that was and the piece that um, that came out. Oh, and it has some rust in it, too. How did you... I'm intrigued by that. What does that mean? Did you get metal things and then get them rusty or like how did you pull rust into that um okay so i do a little bit of rust dyeing so basically mm. you soak you know a little soak your piece in a little bit of vinegar and then you you do you pile rust pieces on it i have a lot of rusty pieces around because you know i do the rust dyeing and i love rust and when i did assemblage i had a lot of rusty stuff in my pieces so it's just and like i said I, I pull in a lot of things that i've i've used from all my different sorts of, I think I have a little bit of creative ADD. I, um, um, I like just working with a lot of materials. Yeah. Yeah. And the crocheting, the, it was funny because that crocheting, the piece, those strips onto that weaving not only opened up a whole new bag of worms because I now am using crochet with my weaving, but, um, I hadn't crocheted in many years and now I have crochet madness. <laughs> hmm. You mentioned that you didn't used to think of yourselves as, as making work that's political and you find yourself doing that more and more. And I'm wondering if in this moment you feel like your role as an artist is, is changing. Um, I, I would say, well, you know, artists are the ones that, ha you know, through history that have illustrated what is going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I've always had sort of work that had social commentary. And so I shouldn't say I've never done political work. I, I've, a lot of my work has had social commentary, but now it's even more political and, and um, really um, out there. Like um, the, one of the pieces I'm working on now because I'm, um, you know, uh, a Mexican uh, of Mexican heritage, and Mexicans are Native American. You know, there's a, I'm having a lot of issues with, you know, how can Indigenous people be illegal? But that's a whole other story. But I'm working on a piece about it because I've been here, you know, for my family for generations. And so, what's happened is that with what's going on is um, things are happening 
uh, people are like my sister was told to go back to her country. Mm. This is her country. She's, we, our family's been here for generations. We're Mexican. Yes. This was Mexico. This is part of our land, whether it has a, a border now or not. And so it, it makes me furious. It makes me furious of when course. people say uh, mm-hmm. we're going to take our country back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this isn't your country. So uh, I'm doing a, So what's happened is in all my years, you know, I'm 58 and I've never felt so, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word or maybe uncomfortable is right. I wouldn't say threatened, but, you know, it's changed the way people think about all Latino people. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has ever said to my sister, I go back to your own country. So it makes me uh, angry. So I'm working on a piece and I'm weaving it with corn husks and cotton. Hmm. And then the center part is the old map of um, where Mexico used to be, you know, the border used to be up higher. And I have a little dot that says, I am here. And the piece is called, I am not the outsider, parentheses, Trump. Because that's my way of releasing some of the anger, sadness, whatever I feel, indignation that I feel about um, this. Aside from whatever my thoughts are about immigration, the fact is that this is the land I'm from and why would people say anything to me or my family? So anyway, that's that's that. Can you talk to me about your piece, Bad 1980s Diagnosis for the Parental Unit? I also saw a photo of that on your website. Um, Yes, that piece is done in um, um, wool. Um, I'm not really really what shirt. It might be Berber wool. I got it uh, off of Craigslist. This woman was selling this huge lot of it. And um, I really liked it, so I got it. And of course, back to the rusty nails. And the series I'm working on now is um, called um, The Road Taken. And it's a lot about the roads I've taken in my life. And um, this particular road uh, was a a rather painful road. In the 80s, um, both my parents were diagnosed with HIV. And so on the piece, you can see where it's sort of clear on top, I mean, the, the nails sort of represent, you know, painful things or terrible things. And so you can see, I mean, life, you, everyone has stuff in life that's not so good. And so the nails sort of represent it. But as you see, it gets to, there's a line where it gets to um, uh, where the nails start increasing. And then there's some red in the weave. Um, and that talks about that journey of dealing with my parents' diagnosis and Um, it wasn't a fun time in my life and it's taken me, uh, both my parents are, they're now gone. So I, there is some freedom in being able to, um, uh, do work about it and talk about it because they, it was very difficult for them at that time. Um, you Mm. know, there was a stigma about people that had HIV and, uh, they didn't want anyone to know. And, um, also, you know, uh, my, um, as I mentioned, my sort of thing about trying to educate people is that even if you're married, it can still happen. So, you know, get tested periodically is all I have to say. Uh, and um, 
anyway, uh, the pieces that I'm doing now are, are, like I said, a bit autobiographical. So I finally felt I reached a point where I could do some work about this. And it was, it was really, it was cathartic. And it was, uh, you know, even if you don't know what the piece is about people, that was probably the piece that got the most attention at the gallery. Hmm. There's something about rusty nails that people love. I mean, they're, and they're vintage nails they're the square head nails. And, uh, people ask me about the nail. They love the nails. <laughs> And that had a lot of rust on it, and it was a, um, it was a fun, it was you know a fun piece to make. It was a painful piece to make, but it was a fun piece to make. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. As as you get more into autobiographical work, does it become harder or more vulnerable to share that? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, yeah. I think I've been doing this a long time, so I have a little bit of a thick skin about it. There are some, like. At one point, I was writing uh, um, a, a book. It was vignettes about my life. And that did become too painful. I just stopped. I just couldn't do it. But mm. it's different with um, with art because there's a lot of, I think, nuance. And um, it's not so specific. You know, when you look at that piece, you can appreciate and love that piece without having to know what it's about. Whereas if you're reading something, you know what it's about. So, yeah, yeah. Who are some of the textile artists who are inspiring you these days? Um, let's see. There's, uh, you know, there's, um, I follow a lot of artists on Instagram and I do love a lot of the work that's happening. Um, but of course I love, you know, the, uh, some of the older, um, cla- you know, the well-known, um, weavers and textile artists uh like Lenore Tani is one of my favorites and um um you know Sheila Hicks and uh you know the usual suspects mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but there's also a woman her name's um Kiyomi Iwata and she is somebody that I I just came across on I don't know if it was uh Pinterest or I think it was on Pinterest and I like to weave with um like, you know, different materials. Like I said, I was using the corn husks to weave with. Um, and she weaves with um, the waste material from silk. Hmm. And so I, I, I ordered some and um, I did a piece which sold immediately, which was great. Uh, and so now I'm working on some more with um, this material because uh, I was really inspired by her work and it appealed to me on a lot of levels, the, the, the materials, um, it's abstract, it's uh, a little bit minimalist, uh, everything that I love. <laughs> so, and doing this type of work is, it's kind of a, a mixing my art materials with my weaving materials because you use a medium um, to make the, the body of it um, stiff. And then once it's stiff, then I weave on it. Hmm. I heard a whisper before we started recording that you are launching a new product for weavers. Can you tell me about that? I am. I'm super excited. It's my first product. Um, and, you know, part of my goal is, I mean, I have been, had a good graphic design business, but since I've now am so crazy about fiber arts, I would like to make more of my living um, doing that. And I know that's everyone wishes that, but I'm trying hard to make it happen. I mean, if I yeah. could do graphic design half of the time and do fiber, 
um, arts the rest of the time. It would be great. And I, you know, I sell, I make, I do art yarn. I do, I sell art yarn. I sell, you know, purses and pillows. But then I, but everything, that's all very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. So my friend, the one that I'm showing with, she, um, she said, you know, you need to figure out something that you can make that you don't have to make yourself all the time, that you can just design one and then have it made. So I, that's always been in the back of my brain uh, anyway, but then her aching me on just made me think more about it. And I don't know, I was lying in bed one morning thinking, oh, I got to get up and work on this job. I don't really want to work <laughs> on. And um, I, when I really want to weave. Uh, so I had this idea um, to make ornament looms. Hmm. So there's small looms in different shapes. Uh, there's a star, a bell, um, an ornament shape, and a Christmas tree shape. And they're cut out of that thin wood. And so they're not really reusable looms unless you cut off the weaving. They're made to hang on your tree. Cool. Wow. And then from there, and then, so then that was really great. But then I thought, okay, well, that's great, but that's seasonal. Uh, and and so I thought, well, what else? So then I came up, because I have four dogs and three cats. I'm a animal rescuer I love animals so I came up with um, a dog head and a cat head and they can be used as ornaments but I'm going to make a little bit larger version that you can do a wall hanging as a memorial for your friend or for yourself that you've lost oh. a pet and you can like me if you're like me a crazy animal person you save all your dog tags of your dogs that have passed and so you can make this weaving it doesn't have to be look like your dog it can be abstract uh, and then you can hang your dog's tag from it and you always have it because what do you do with all those tags you throw them in a drawer that's a really sweet idea isn't it and sweet idea I love that yeah I mean like if you're you know one of your good friends loses their their beloved pet you know you can wait a breath and then you can make this for them and you can say when you can hang her tag mm. here and that's mm. just uh I mean, that's just a, it's a sweet thing on many levels. One, it's sweet that your friend's going to appreciate it because you're thinking of her. Because I think for a lot of animal people, not everybody understands how attached to our animals we are. Yeah. Um, but they are. They really are our furry children. And uh, I always appreciate, like, even when I had to put down one of my dogs, my vet sent me a sympathy card. And I just thought that was so thoughtful. And my neighbor sent me a sympathy card. And I thought, oh, that's just really, because they really got it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I thought, well, this is just a great way. And it doesn't have to be an animal that's passed. If you just love cats and dogs, you can make some ornaments for your tree or you can make a wall hanging for yourself. And I have ideas for lots of other shapes, but these are the initial shapes that I'm putting out. So uh, I'm, I'm waiting for my shipment so I can start. There's a, a couple of weavers I'm going to send some um, samples out to so they can try them. And, you know, I want to see what they can do with them And because there's so many... You know, they can be painted, they can be, um, you can do something abstract, you can do something, uh, the, like the backside, I put um, felt backing on mine, and then I could incorporate my other love of, um, of um, skills that I like to use. I could embroider the back, I, one I crocheted a, a snowflake and attached it, hmm. you know, you can paint on it, you can... Um, make a piece that's uh the new thing that everyone's doing is needle punching you can needle punch you know something for the back so it's just it's just a fun crafty thing to do 
So where can people go on social media and on the internet to find out about these looms and also to see your work and your artwork and your your purses and other things for sale? Where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Casa Marengo Studio. All right. And I will link to that also in the show notes so people can get right to you. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing your story and your journey and where it's led you. I'm wondering before we sign off, if you have any closing advice or words of wisdom that you want to share with other weavers out there. I would say, because I read a lot, and especially a lot of people that are worried about people stealing their ideas or their work, and that's just going to happen. It's happened. You know, it it always happens. I would just say, be true to yourself, do what you love to do, and just, and just do the, it's about the work, do the work, and everything else will happen. I, you know, when I switched to weaving, like I said, I was nervous and, um, oh, and I wanted to mention that for the, so I just did the work and opportunities happen. And I got the opportunity recently to do a weaving of the LA river for a piece that's now in the natural history museum. Wow. And I don't know that I'll ever have been in the natural history museum with any of my paintings. So, you know, you just, Mm. you just do the work and, and, and be true to yourself and things will happen. I, I believe that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was good to talk to you. Thanks, Sarah. That was fun. That's a wrap. To see photos of Val's work, links to her website and social media, and to see those looms that she just mentioned, you can check out the show notes at gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 25. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode hyphen 25. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Claudia Reisler, co-founder of Maine Dye and Textiles. Maine Dye and Textiles is a yarn dyeing operation located in Saco, Maine, that works with domestic yarn manufacturers like Brookman Tweed, as well as dyes synthetic yarn for more industrial purposes. They're in the midst of an equity crowdfunding campaign to raise capital to move into their next phase of growth. And I'll be talking to Claudia all about how her business has grown and how you can get involved as a micro investor if you're intrigued by their story. It's going to be a great episode. So tune in next Monday. And until next time, happy weaving.